Hello, everybody, and welcome. God bless all of you for joining us today. We're happy to have you listening to us today. This is Toby with BibleStudyPodcast.org, and today is Wednesday, March the 7th. And of course, Wednesdays, we talk about apologetics or current issues. But first of all, before we get started, I have some exciting news. I um, I talked to one of my professors last night. He's in charge of approving field experience at my school, at my seminary. And I told him about my website, and he was really excited about it. So what I'm doing is I'm recruiting other students who uh, need field experience and this is going to be an opportunity for them to get some by doing a Bible study on here. So hopefully, Lord willing, we're going to have a bunch of people uh, joining us on this, doing other Bible study podcasts. So stay tuned and, and keep an eye out for other people putting up their podcasts as well. My ultimate goal is to have a website at BibleStudyPodcast.org that has just a huge collection of Bible studies and messages and lessons that people, you know, in theory around the world can listen to. Of course, you know, I, I talked about how, uh, on Monday I talked about how I got a letter from a lady in Costa Rica who was using my messages to teach English to her students. And wow, what a blessing, you know, and who knows who else is listening or, or where people are listening from, but you know, these messages are potentially available around the world. So Praise the Lord. Let's let's keep uh, this website in our prayers and hope that it grows so that uh, you know people will have that resource available to them. Now, as you know, I didn't answer a question of the week on Monday, and I didn't answer uh, one on purpose because the question that I got was one that I wanted to address in this podcast today. And I'll just give you a little background on this. I participate in some forums, both on MySpace and, uh, you know, RaptureReady.com and, you know, some other some other online message boards. And if there's one thing that gets me a little bit maybe irritated, if I dare say that, it's atheists who think they are so superior intellectually and in every other way to Christians because, you know, here we are believing stuff that, you know, only the Neanderthals believed or whatever. And so what I did is I responded to an atheist by posting an apologetic uh, proof that I came up with for God's existence. And here's what I did. I said, the first person who can convincingly refute this, I will PayPal you $20. And some atheists went at it and went at it, and they, they couldn't. Uh, they They were totally stumbling all over themselves. They couldn't figure out how to refute it. I don't know if there is a way to refute it. That's that's something that I will discuss in another podcast. I'll, I'll give you guys that logical proof for God. But anyway, so one of these atheists emails me, and this is the question he, uh, he sent me. He says, okay, so nobody can refute that argument, but maybe you can refute this. I don't think so. Could God create a rock so heavy that he could not lift it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be demeaning to atheists. I'm not going to be condescending. I don't want to insult your intelligence. But, you know, questions like this, they're, they're actually fairly common. See, this question here implies that if God can create a rock that he can't lift, then God is not 
all-powerful. Uh, and if God cannot create a rock so heavy that he can't lift it, then he's not powerful. So no matter which way you take it, God is not all-powerful. And this this is totally an invalid argument. Some of you might have run into this before, but uh, this is something that I want you guys to be able to answer. And see, the, I'll just I'll just come straight out right now and tell you the answer to this is this is the fallacy of equivocation. Now I want you to listen to their statement one more time. Could God create a rock so heavy that He couldn't lift it? And I want you to think about the implications. If he can't create a rock so heavy that he can't lift it, then he's not all-powerful because he can't create a rock that big. And if he can't lift it, then he's not all-powerful because he's made something that he can't lift. Now think about that for a minute. Think about what they just said. And listen to this. This is um, this is a, another example of the fallacy of equivocation, which is maybe a little bit less... Subtle. This is really blatant. Okay, it goes something like this. Anything that's light can't be dark. Feathers are light. Therefore, feathers can't be dark. Now, did you catch what what they were doing in that? Did you catch what happened in, in that little syllogism? See, in the middle of the syllogism, we switched the definitions of light. And... So we went from light, meaning the absence of darkness, to light, meaning weight. And we confused the two terms. And this fallacy, asking if God can create a rock so heavy that he can't lift it, does the same thing. And to demonstrate that to you, let's just very quickly reword what this says. We're not going to change what it says. We're just going to change the way it's said. What this question is really asking is this. Is God powerful enough to create a rock that he would not be powerful enough to lift? And see, that's doing the same thing that we did in the feather syllogism. We're changing the definition of powerful in the middle. And that's what renders this whole argument invalid. See, the first in the first part of it, is God powerful enough to create a rock? Okay, right there, we're talking about a different type of power. We're talking about, about power as in the ability to do things, not might, not strength. In the second half, uh, that he would not be powerful enough to lift, that's talking about strength. So see, they very subtly have changed the definition of powerful. They've changed the sense in which they mean powerful in the middle of their objection, and that's what renders this argument invalid. See, this question basically comes from a misunderstanding of what it means for God to be powerful. The word powerful does not mean that God can do anything. Can God do anything? He can do anything that is logically possible. He can do anything that is within his nature. The Bible tells us that God cannot lie, that God cannot uh, sin, God cannot be tempted. See, God can't do anything that is logically inconsistent. For example, he can't make a square triangle. It's it's a term that, that contradicts itself. It's self-defeating. So that's really what um, what the source of 
this confusion is for these people. Uh, power is the ability to, to change, to make something happen, and God can do that. He does have unlimited power, and the Bible does tell us that he has that type of power. Second Corinthians 6.18, for example. So, therefore, God can do whatever is logically possible, whatever can be done without contradicting itself. But God cannot do that which is impossible. So hopefully, you know, we, we've kind of answered that objection. We've seen where that objection falls short. So, you know, let me give you one more example just real quick here. And that would be, okay, Christians and the Bible affirm that God knows all things. Well, I've had atheists uh, atheists ask me, if God knows all things, does he know what it's like to to sin? And, of course, the answer is no. So then their objection is, well, see, then God doesn't know all things. Well, see, again, in the middle of that syllogism, in the middle of that argument, they changed definitions. They changed the definition of, think about it, which, which word do you think they changed the definition of? They changed the definition of no. First is knowledge. Does God know everything, as in knowledge? And then they ask, does God know what it's like to sin? And that's experiential. So there's there are two types of, two senses in which we can use the word to know the 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 word no and one of and so in the middle of that syllogism the atheist or whoever is objecting to god's all-knowing nature is switching the definitions and this is something that will immediately should immediately send up red flags when you hear it because it become, it becomes a no-win situation for you as a christian to de- in defending your faith so Whenever you whenever you catch something like this, let them know, hey, that's the fallacy of equivocation. You're changing definitions on me. And, of course, that renders their entire argument invalid. So, you know, keep your ears open for things like that. Because the best way to conquer an objection, the best way to render an objection to God or Christianity invalid is to find... A contradiction within their statement. And remember, we are commanded in the Bible to refute any false philosophies or false ideas about God. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul writes, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about uh, The Message by Eugene Peterson. That is, I think, an invaluable tool because it really, he, he's, a, he's a scholar. He knows his Greek and Hebrew well enough that he can paraphrase very accurately what the Bible writers are saying. And so, just real quick, I'm going to read Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 3 through 6 from The Message. And, you know, maybe it'll make more sense to you. And this this totally makes sense when you consider how invalid these arguments against God are. Second Corinthians 3-6 through 6 from the message says, The world is unprincipled. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way, 
never have, and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. You see, my friends, God's truth can't, it can be scrutinized until people are blue in the face because you know what? They can't disprove God. They can't disprove his existence. They can't disprove Christianity. They can come up with some invalid arguments. They can come up with self-defeating arguments against God, against Christianity, trying to destroy your faith. But I want to encourage you that there is nothing that they can say that will validly render our faith unjustifiable. We have every reason to put our faith in Jesus, to put our faith in God, our Father, because his truth stands. It can withstand the test of time. It can withstand any type of scrutiny. And it remains. It stands. So praise the Lord. You know, hopefully you guys have learned something. This is a great tool, like I said, for you guys, because the best way to beat somebody's argument is to find a way that it contradicts itself. That's the easiest way to do it, too, and the most convincing. So praise God for that. Now, I challenged this atheist who posed this question to me to listen to today's podcast. I hope he did. I don't know if he did, but my hope is that if you have ever heard this objection or if you ever hear it again, you will be armed with some knowledge that will help you defend the truth of God. And of course, if there are any non-believers listening to this, I don't want to argue with you guys. I'm not going to be able to argue you guys into faith. What I do want to do is reason with you. I want to show you that Christianity is a reasonable faith and that Christians don't just have blind faith. I don't believe in uh, all faith being blind. I think that you know i'm a, i'm a ra- rational logical person i like to think things through and believe me i have thought through all of this and i have had every objection that you have had and here i am i i believe because the truth of god stands not only through time but also through objections let's end this in a word of prayer Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being true. We thank you for being logical, Lord. We thank you for revealing yourself to us. And Lord, we just pray that you would that you would influence this world to see you, to love you, Lord. Help us to love what you love. Lord, help us to hate the things that you hate. Help us to obey you, Lord. Help us to be obedient. We love you. We thank you for this time. And we lift up anybody who has listened to this podcast who doesn't have their faith in you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us and for calling us your own and for being a God who is logical, who understands us, and who we can get to know in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'll see you all next week on Monday. We'll pick up our study on the book of Romans. Until then, keep living for Jesus, and I'll see you next week.